Every place around the world has its tales. Legends of unknown creatures, buried treasures, a haunted castle, perhaps. These stories and accounts of the strange and unknown become ingrained in the places they occur, a piece of identity linking the unexplained to the land and people who experience such things within the realm of the bazaar, those who have peered to the other side of the portal. This week, we bring you all something different. On tonight's episode, we will take you on a tour of bizarre and mysterious happenings unique to the Great White North we call home. Whether it be the ominous footsteps of a restless soul pacing the hallways of an old Yukon hotel, or the story of murder and the search for lost gold in the dense mountains of British Columbia, tonight's episode will keep you guessing from coast to coast. Come on a journey with us as we team up with Double Density Podcast to bring you all things red, white, and weird on Into the Portal. And welcome into the portal. I'm Amber Ray. And I'm Andrew McKay. And we have a very special treat for our listeners tonight. Joining us is Brian and Angelo, fellow Canadians and hosts of Double Density Podcast. And we are joining forces for a two-part nationwide Canadian tour of weirdness. Yeah. So this is the first part you're listening to right now. And the second part is going to be released next Wednesday, right guys? Exactly. Okay, on the Double Density Podcast. All right, so we just wanted to um, let you guys give a rundown on your show to start off. And yeah, just um, give us a little brief bio on yeah. what you're all about. Tell us about Double Density. Mm-hmm. I'll let you and start. Do you want to take this? I was going to say, I was going to let it's you always, start. We always have to figure out like who does what here. <laughs> Same with us. <laughs> uh, so I guess I'll do this. Uh, so Double Density is a weekly podcast where we split um, our subject matter down the middle. So the first half is usually tech news, and then the second half is something paranormal in nature. So what we do is we'll tend to look at a bunch of like tech news and sort of riff on that for a while, and then move into um, a paranormal topic. And usually we'll do something that's sort of like alien or UFO-centric, but we've also done a lot of other kind of things, including you know cryptids, the dark web, creepypastas. Uh, Angela, I'm probably missing one or two or six, so if you can just go ahead and chime in now. Well, like shadow people and time travel and conspiracy theories we've had a few guests from uh other paranormal podcasts as well we've yet to have a, a tech uh sort of guest and the whole thing with behind the show is like we had two topics we really liked and we were trying to figure out how to work them in together and we just said well let's just do two segments and we do one of technology one of the paranormal and one of the things we like about the show is like the title and the show art which is the show art is a double density floppy disk uh, kind of like encompasses everything in a way that 
you know, we have tech nostalgia on there and we like technology and the idea of like secret files from the, about the paranormal from the government being kept on double density floppy disk kind of, uh, made us go that way. So yeah, if you like tech, if you like paranormal, or if you don't like one and just like the other, well, you can skip one, one side or the other. It's totally <laughs> fine. We're, we're happy. I just love listen. how you're pitching our podcast and telling people to not listen to it. <laughs> That's awesome, guys. Um, yeah, so a few other questions, I guess. My main one that I wanted to ask you was, like, what inspired you initially to do the podcast? I feel like this is an Angelo question, so I'm going to let him field this one. <laughs> well, the thing with podcasts is I've been on board with podcasts. Uh, I feel like an old man saying, my day. Uh, <laughs> I listen to podcasts since about 2005, literally on an iPad, uh, iPod. So a long time ago when they were called podcasts because people put them on their iPods. And I started mostly with tech podcasts. The first podcast I actually downloaded was This Week in Tech, which is still running. Uh, And I stopped listening to it a while ago (laughs) because I found other interests. And yeah, I've been going through these podcasts. And then I started listening to more paranormal shows. Uh, And I figured, let's start our own. It just took me 10 years to kind of almost, no, actually, what, we started this in 2017. So 12 years of listening to podcasts and then finally starting my own after having heard Brian start his, which I liked a lot. And uh, that one didn't work out. And we decided to join forces. That's awesome. Sweet. I'm I'm so happy that you guys managed to link up and do a show because we love Double Density. And I think that doing the tech and paranormal is like the perfect blend. It really is. It's super unique, eh? Well, I think so. Especially because I, yeah. I feel like the, well, the paranormal usually, like, it has, it, I don't know, it has a tendency to mess with technology. So it's also kind of interesting in that way, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Uh, did you have any questions, Andrew? Well, we definitely or? covered stuff like uh, like UFO reports where, like, like someone's radio gets screwed up or, like, their, their watch gets broken. Like, there's, like, some kind of weird tech thing that, like, goes wrong. So you're definitely right in that, like, the two kind of coexist in, like, this weird space that sometimes they get together and things happen, unfortunately. <laughs> and, and Brian maintains that most of our technology comes from the crashed UFO in Roswell. Uh, uh, mostly yeah. jokingly. Yeah. But Reverse engineering. It's, it, yeah, exactly. There's there's some reports on that. I definitely don't buy them. Oh, and the other thing to keep in mind is uh, Brian's sort of skeptical. I'm really skeptical. Like we yeah, have he's we, super boring. Yeah, I'm really boring apparently. But <laughs> we have we we like to talk about this double density scale of like ufology and and uh, skepticism and stuff. And I'm like more towards like the Carl Sagan end of things. And then there's like a middle way, and then you get all the way to the other end where who who do we put at the other end, Brian? Again. We put like Whitley Strieber, the guy who wrote Communion and who's like wholly invested his life in talking about his supposed experiences. So it goes from like one to four. So Angela's like a one and a half, whereas I'm like, I'm probably like a two to two and a half. <laughs> Whitley Strieber. Yeah. We just watched Communion like a couple of weeks ago and I don't even know. Oh, nice. What I was that was the strangest movie I've ever seen <laughs> in my entire bizarre. life. Christopher Walken is in that, isn't he? Yeah, he is. He is. I feel like he was kind of a strange casting for that role. Oh I don't gosh. know why. Like, I mean, he's yeah. a he's kind of a weird guy, and that works for something like that. But I, I mean, it's a true story. He was story, especially but... weird in that. Yeah, movie, like he was just. I don't know. I just wanted more Maybe cowbell. He, just... he doesn't actually. Well, he doesn't really look like him either, right? Like, I don't know if you've seen pictures of old Willie Streber, but like mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily look like him. So it's kind of confusing. But he's so young. Mm-hmm. He's so like he's so young too. Like he doesn't even look like the regular Christopher Walken. Like let alone <laughs> the guy he's trying to portray. I don't know. Like if he looks like I, I haven't seen the photo of the actual guy, no, like the original either. guy. Okay, but uh, anyway, communion. So did did watching the movie make you want to read the book now? 
I hate doing it in that order, just to be clear. <laughs> like, I always try yeah. to read the book first. And we didn't for this one, but uh, yeah. probably not would be my answer. Yeah, what would you I'm not really itching to read that. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, though, eventually. I just, yeah, I have a lot on my plate right now. I've got, like, four books on the go. <laughs> <laughs> Too many books on the go. Okay, my other question that I really, really want to ask you guys. Um, I just wanted to see... If you guys any had any favorites of the episodes that you've done to date, mm. like any favorite topics or anything like that. Yeah. I'll, I'll no, take I'm it. Sure. I'll go first, Brian. No, uh, I'm kidding. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Angela. <laughs> we, we have trouble trying to figure out who talks first. I'm this sorry. We're not, we're not teeing density. it up for you very easily. We're making it, we're making <laughs> no, it tough. No, it's okay. <laughs> not at all. No, it's perfect. Uh, I definitely would say um, our Sweet 16 episode where we actually, it's the one episode where we've recorded in the same space. Uh, in this case, it was my backyard. We recorded outside, looked for UFOs, and uh, that's one of my favorites as well as when uh, I was threatened by Siri, and that created a whole uh, ongoing <laughs> series uh, that Brian would ask Siri. Yeah, I definitely pick. I think, yeah, that was like episode 14, and that was the same episode where... Um, so one of the more famous kind of UFO cases um, in modern times is the Betty and Barney Hill sighting, um, which happened in New Hampshire, and I was on vacation last summer and I ended up going because the state of New Hampshire actually erected like an official plaque for the site of the UFO sighting. Uh, so I ended up visiting that and taking pictures. And if you go over to doubledensity.net and click on the host page, you get to see my stupid face um, <laughs> hanging out by the plaque. Um, so that's a really good one. The one that we did a couple weeks ago with Area 51 was also really good. Um, I really enjoyed putting that together. Mm, I enjoyed listening um, to that one. That was awesome. Yeah, we, yeah, it was, yeah. It was great. <laughs> Thank yeah. you. Yeah, that was a really different episode where we scripted it because uh, we're – we're very unscripted, our show. We don't have, we just have a set of notes and we just kind of ramble and ramble and talk and talk <laughs> and things come out and we usually try to keep it relatively light. Yeah, we also had an episode with with Sam from Not Alone that we like, because we just kind of got real weird with it. Like we talked about his love of like Magic the Gathering and uh, like just like a lot of like really fun kind of like human stuff that ties more into uh, a bit of tech and then a bit of paranormal too, because his uh, podcast covers like a wide swath of different things too so it's kind of fun to go back and forth in between the two and i think that was like one of the longest ones we've done it was almost like two hours yeah yeah and, and of course we we had two episodes with our friend rob christopherson from our stage skies so like whenever we have guests uh, tj's episode was crazy fun as well where we totally went uh nuts with conspiracy theories if you like conspiracy theories i would highly urge you to listen to that episode cool awesome. also angela i don't know if you heard but like the, the episode coming out on wednesday might have special guests oh yeah I'm pretty sure. I'm so. confident that the, the two guests uh, coming out this Wednesday are really, really great. If you like this show, you're going to love those guests. Looking forward to it. Oh, yeah. Very mysterious. Well, that's awesome. Super cool. Well, um, I mean, it's hard. It's asking someone what their favorite episode they've done is always an interesting question. Um Jerry from Hillbilly Horror Stories asked us that the other day, and it totally caught me off guard at first, which is kind of funny just because it's all so much fun. But... Um, yeah, anyway. That's, that's where I got all the questions from, FYI. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was a great idea. Totally plagiarizing <laughs> here. Yeah. 100%. Thanks, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. Are you guys ready to get into this? I mean, we've got this really awesome cross-country trip Do of weirdness, it. and uh, I guess we're starting in BC. Yup. I don't know. You guys, ready, you guys ready to go? Totally. I'm yeah, Definitely, awesome. yeah. Okay, cool. So, well, yeah. Well, that's I mean, you, Andrew. That's well. that's geographically correct, I guess. Going west, west to east. I started in British Columbia. That's where I live. I should know that, right? Yeah. Okay. So, 
this was, yeah, so it was tough narrowing down what I really wanted to do for British Columbia just because BC, I mean, all the provinces are, are awesome and have their unique paranormal uh, uh, stories to them and cryptid creatures and all of the above. But BC has has a ton of that. And I was really tempted to do Sasquatch, even though it's so well known, obviously, just because there's a lot of unique, specific details to uh, the, the history of Sasquatch from British Columbia. But I'm going to say I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it. What I did come across, though, was a story that kind of blew my mind that I had never heard of it before, which was the story of the Lost Creek Mine, um, which is also sometimes known as the Pit Lake Mine. Have you guys ever heard of this story before? No, I have not. Okay. Okay. And, And that's the thing, because like I hadn't heard of it either. I'm from B.C., and apparently this is this gained international attention in the 1920s and then later on in in the 60s when people would, you know, continue to search for this basically this lost mine. But it's a really cool story. So this is how it goes. So basically, this takes place. Pit Lake is just above New Westminster, British Columbia, so fairly close to Vancouver, BC. And it's super dense. Like I've never actually gone hunting or fishing or anything out in that area, but from the people I know who have, like it's it's pretty intense terrain. You gotta know what you're doing for sure if you're gonna do even an overnight trip or anything like that. There's bears and cougars and all all of the above. Anyway, so it's like the 1850s was kind of the uh, the origins of this particular area for the gold rush. And there was a story that kind of surfaced that there was a, a, a native man who was coming into what is now a town that doesn't exist anymore where New, West, New Westminster would be. And he was coming back into town with $1,600 on average worth of placer gold each time he would come back. Now, $1,600 back in the 1850s, 1860s is going to be around like 40 grand or more, basically. So he's coming back on regular trips with like 40, 50, $50,000 worth of gold. This like kind of blew everyone's mind. But nobody knew who this guy was until somebody kind of tried to follow him unsuccessfully and dug up some dirt and realized that this guy's name was Slumac. So yeah. What does he, that mean? <laughs> had you, had you, had, what, what did you Slumac? come up from? Like, what did you look into with this, Amber? Like, did you find anything specific on Slumac that you wanted to mention? Um, do you want me to just keep going? Base- he was he was a murderer <laughs> by some accounts. That's yeah. what I came up with. Well, there was oh, that's pleasant. Crazy rumors yeah. about this guy. So one was that he kidnapped women and took them with him on his extended journeys out into the Pit Lake Hills. Jeez. Some said that he just did it because he was, you know, that type of guy. Others say that he. <laughs> <laughs> Others say that he needed a small slender frame to, you know, make his make their way through like a crevice to get the gold that he couldn't actually get to it himself. There's no indication that that's that that's true at all. <laughs> Anyways, there were some missing women's reports at the time. So that correlated to it. And there there's there's a chance that the, that part of the story is true. Yeah, and but he's like the Robert Picton of his era. He could have been. I don't want to paint him entirely that way because okay. there's not a ton else to corroborate that. But anyway. He wasn't seen in a very good light by the people in the area. Anyway, so he keeps coming back. He's got tons of cash. He comes back one day, and he has a run-in with this guy named Louis B. B-E-E. I thought mm-hmm. it was, like, the last name was just B, standing for Bouvier or Beauvoir or something. But, but no, B. it was just B-E-E. Bumblebee. And supposedly oh, cool. Slumac had known this guy for his entire life. And he was a Métis, so... I don't know if they had B family ties. Yeah, this guy, okay. Louis B. 
I don't know if they their families knew each other or what, but apparently they'd known each other their whole lives and hated each other. So the story goes basically that Louis B confronted him for his map or his knowledge of where he was getting this gold and Slumac shot him dead. There was one witness to the event named Charlie Seymour who supposedly either made off with the information or made off with a map and survived the event. He escaped and nobody really knows where Charlie Seymour ended up. Then later on in Slumac ended up being hunted down and hanged for this. Hmm. So he supposedly never told anyone where his gold was, but he was hung for killing Louis B. Then in 1905, more stories surface about another native man, a different person, coming back from the exact same route that supposedly Slumac was on, coming back with the exact same amounts of gold. Hmm. So the stories resurface being like, did someone figure out where the Lost Creek mine was? Hmm. Same thing. People tried to follow him. He evaded the, the uh, onlookers and nobody was able to track this second guy. It kind of died off after that. Um, The stories sort of faded away until 1923 when a guy named Volcanic Brown. What a name that is. Great Great name. I mean, mean, there's so many (laughs) jokes to be made with that name, but I'm not not going to go there right now. Did you say Lava Brown? Congrats, Angela. (laughs) Thanks. Volcano Brown? Lava Brown? What was it? What's that? What did you say it was? Lava or Volcano? Lava Brown. (laughs) Oh my! God. I don't know. <laughs> okay. No, it's volcanic. Oh, I, okay. I don't know where he got that nickname, but oh, no. this guy this guy was intense because he he went looking for this gold in 1923. He was 76 years old. Like oh, that's pretty. That's, that's dedication. dedication indeed. Anyway, he goes looking for it, comes back with some gold and claimed that he had found it. And he goes back out again and doesn't return. When the when a search party goes to find him, they find his camp with a sack full of gold, full of placer gold. So like nuggets, not Hmm. dust, not uh, in quartz or anything like that, like huge chunks of gold. But poor Volcanic was nowhere to be found and he disappeared forever. Nobody found him, which is kind of the story, how it goes with a lot of uh, the people who have now gone searching for Slumax gold is that there's some sort of a curse Hmm. and it's become known as the Slumax curse because Basically, everybody who goes looking for it, they either don't find it and waste a lot of time and money, or or they just straight up disappear and don't come back. They're... So yeah, that was the first one. So that was Volcanic Brown. <laughs> <laughs> I just get it so funny saying that yeah. name. Then in 19... So. Like, I mean, 1932, there was a guy named Robert Allen who supposedly... Oh... New Volcanic Brown, he disappeared. 1951, Alfred Gaspar from Langley disappears. Lewis Earl Hagbo, 1961, Jeez. dies of a heart attack for no apparent reason on the beginnings of his journey. Hmm. And to this day, over 30 people have died searching for the, the lost place or claim of Slumac. And that's basically the story. I mean, there's no, there's no real paranormal to it other than the idea of a curse, curse well but the curse thing is yeah that, that a little bit paranormal yeah that's the one angle but that's that's basically the story people go searching for it to this day there's tour companies that still turn people away who want to say hey i want you to take me up to the pit lake glacier and they say nope you're gonna die hmm. you do that 
Um, well, there's like a couple of brothers, a, hey, that are kind of running. Well, are they running tours or are they just like looking? Yeah, for there's tour companies and there's people that'll still take you to like search for gold. Well, massive this guy, air quotes. Was it Rick Antonson? Yeah. Tourism Vancouver president. <laughs> He's <laughs> apparently, really? they're both retired now, him and his brother, and they're just spending their time looking for this gold. <laughs> mm. I don't think they're going to find it personally but anyway that's the story and now um, so what do you guys think now you guys are not going to go looking for this to get some new podcasting equipment <laughs> or anything like that it really go a long way it would go a long way cool stuff yeah. i i i'm gonna have to do you have a really gullible friend who would do this on your behalf possibly a cousin possibly <laughs> yes okay. oh yeah we've got okay. a cousin uh who or yeah i've got a cousin who uh he basically every time we're out for like we're on a road trip or anything like that. He looks at like a mountain we're driving by and he's this like, this is on the way to Banff. Yeah. We're going so we're to Banff. Through the Rockies. We're driving through the Rockies. And he looks, he looks up and he's like, Oh man, like, yeah, that'd be a nice hike. Like, what do you figure? Like half an hour, half an hour, hour. I'm looking at it. I'm like, Dylan, that's like two weeks with like full out equipment and everything. Like what do you, and he's serious. He's like not even joking. Oh no. At all. Yeah. He's so deadpan. So he's your advanced. <laughs> yes. Exactly. <laughs> Okay, because in this scheme, like, I feel like you need, like, a Sherpa slash advanced man to go in and slowly make his way towards um, where the the gold is located and just see where it goes. <laughs> this is a good strategy. He could be the bait, too, you know, if anything bad happens. You know, we're, we're just turn right, around. Right, like, is there is there a suggestion that there's, like, a, a creature there? Or is it just the idea that they, they just come to, like, an unfortunate, uh, like, death or end? Yeah, that's that's kind of just the thing. Like, it's either just... The real, the real mystery is, is whether or not this exists. Whether or not the mine was actually like whether or not he it was just a story that he, the guy just came back like two three times with you know a big claim and that was it and there wasn't really a mine and people just go out looking for it and straight up die because they're venturing so far into the wilderness trying to find something that isn't there i don't know i i like to lean towards the angle that because so many people do die here and not in other locations that are you know equally treacherous if you want to make that argument in other parts of the province where there's lost gold and and yeah, and they and they go into those places and they don't die. So maybe there is something mm. to the curse, or even just straight up disappear, or just straight up disappear. Like how many bodies are found versus just people missing? I wonder. Oh well, yeah, that's just it. That's a good yeah, point. Good, very good. But but I mean, yeah, there's obviously a ton of things that'll kill you. Like the weather can change really drastically in this area, of Pit Lake, where it's near the glacier. You can get caught even in. There's stories of guys even in a torrential rain pour uh-huh. just being straight, just like suffocated in mud like quicksand just like apparently that can happen in certain locations out there with a flash rain and things like that we don't hear about quicksand enough anymore when i was a kid quicksand (laughs) was the most terrifying thing to everybody right (laughs) i still play quicksand quicksand. as a game it was in like every movie oh yeah yeah yeah. Tarzan. Tarzan. Is it Tarzan? I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just repeating you the now. Princess I'm Bride. You. The Princess Bride. <laughs> we were just talking about Princess Bride the other day. That's hilarious you mentioned that. There was definitely quicksand in that. Well, mm. I am psychic, right? So that's why. I, I think so. you must be. That's the <laughs> only explanation. Do you guys have a date for like the latest disappearance? Mm, latest question. disappearance that I had was 1961, but I'm sure there's more that's, that have happened yeah, since for then. Sure. Um, no, I didn't... Uh, well, I think the thing, too, is that, like, a lot of people go unreportedly missing for, like, various reasons, right? So maybe uh, newer people have tried to venture out, but, you know, for whatever reason, they weren't reported or they were reported missing or, like, you know, they set out to do this but didn't tell anyone, yeah. right? So there's there's that, right. too. Totally. totally. Never know. Well, I, I think we should uh, try and get Logan Paul to go there. To, uh, <laughs> or maybe maybe bring his brother, too. Who's Logan Jake and Perfect. Logan go yeah. looking for Pitt's gold. 
Internet gold. Yep, that'd be great. It's <laughs> a great idea. You should pitch it to him. I will. Sweet. <laughs> on his on his MySpace. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, yeah. So that was BC, and we're sort of sticking with a similar trend. If you guys are ready, we're ready to migrate northward to the Yukon. Yeah. More gold. More gold. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Could you say that as if you're missing like a tooth? Yeah. Let's hear the prospect. No, I can't. Yeah, the prospect. Yeah. Like a more, more gold. Yeah. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well done thank you oh, man. so we're traveling to the yukon now yeah. and the yukon obviously was known for the gold rush and there's a lot of ghosts that have remained from around that time and we're, we're going to kind of look at a couple of places in um in the yukon the first place i want to look at is the palace grand theater it's in dawson city dawson city's uh i believe the biggest city in uh, the yukon and well-known, it's a good touristy place. Mm. They actually have a bar there where, uh, is it thumbs they keep in that bar or something? Yeah. Oh, it's a toe. Pickled toe. Toe, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. The thumb of the foot. The toe. <laughs> yes. Uh, very odd. I've heard a few comedians talking about how they've gone there and uh, taken a shot. Very strange. I would not do that. <laughs> uh, so the Palace Grand Theater, it was built uh, by Arizona Charlie during the gold rush. So it's old, very old, and right now it's still being used as a theater. And the thing is, is that um, both the production crew and and staff often hear footsteps going on around them when they know nobody should be upstairs and walking around. They also see lights go on and off, which, you know, I guess you could attribute that to like an old building and bad wiring or ghosts. One or the other. It's usually one or the other. Yeah. <laughs> There's also the smell of rose water or flowers. And that's something I always find both interesting and super creepy is ghosts that come along with smells. Yes, definitely. Yeah. That is I creepy. I remember reading about that in the Amityville Horror. Like, I know that's a proven hoax at this point. But when I read that, I didn't realize it was a hoax. And they kept talking about the smell and then anytime I'd be at home, and this is when I was younger, right? So anytime I'd be at home and I'd smell something a little odd, it would kind of freak me out. <laughs> I could see that. <laughs> Man, I feel now, that way about burning toast. <laughs> oh, you'd be like, am I well, having yeah, that... <laughs> I'm a stroke? Yeah, exactly. You think you're having a seizure of some kind. That's what burning toast signifies. Uh, and uh, that's a Canadian thing. that we Here in Canada, we get that whole burning toast thing because of one of those Heritage Canada things about Dr. Penfield. Oh, that makes sense. Oh, the Heritage Minutes. Those Heritage those. Minutes. Yeah. Those are great. Exactly. You can actually buy them on DVD. Really? <laughs> Sadly enough, yes, I know. <laughs> you're so patriotic. No, you're a patriot, man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's because we had an Australian friend and we really wanted to put him through the full Canadian experience. So we made him watch like, I think it's like an hour and a half of Canada <laughs> Minutes. Like the Heritage you just like taped gosh. him to a chair and made him watch. Well, we fed him alcohol, mm. obviously, because you got him. And then we made him just watch, um, you know, like the Superman one, the basketball one, and the Dr. Penfield cool. one. Cool. Wow. The Winnie the Pooh one as well. Aww. Oh, yeah. There's so many good ones. I love those things. I know. <laughs> Yay, Canada. This really is a Canadian episode, eh, man? Listen to us. good Louise. Canadian he, moment. <laughs> yeah. You just said A as well, so oh, there okay. we go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, continue. Yes, please. So, like, uh, with the Palace Grand Theater, one of the the story that stuck out with me was um, Emily Farrells. She's a producer in the theater, and she went and stood on the balcony on a quiet night. uh, So there's nobody on the balcony. It was a quiet night, and she went to watch a performance on her break, and um, it was a solo performance. There was a guy playing piano on stage, and the performer 
after the performance had asked her who her friend was on the balcony with her that was watching the performance with her. And she didn't notice anyone near her, but the performer insisted that there was somebody standing next to her wearing a black vest and a black suit with a hat. And, but she didn't see anyone near. Mm. Now, Spooky. there's Spooky. some really great videos I found by Travel Yukon. They're on YouTube. I've, I'm going to post the link uh, give you a link. Yeah. Actually, I'm not going to post the link on your website. I'm not hacking into your website to post any links. You probably could. Uh, You're the only one with permission. <laughs> okay. <laughs> thank you. Um, but I, I've put them on the on the show notes for you guys, and I awesome. definitely encourage you to post them uh, along cool. with this. Cool. We they, will. It, they're super well made. There's three of them um, of the paranormal kind. There's tons of other uh, videos by Travel Yukon, but I think the people listening to this will be interested in the three ones about the paranormal. Yeah. Now. The next place is the Caribou Hotel. Hmm. That's the more famous place. It's on the shore of Lake Bennett in uh, Carcross. And that has like a really interesting history. It was, it was built by W.A. Anderson at the start of the gold rush in, the, in 1898. And, just, and later owned by a man named Dawson Charlie. So we have Arizona Charlie. And now this is Dawson Charlie. Huh. Um, and he owned it. But later he fell off a bridge and died in 1908. <laughs> so after he died... Uh, Edwin and Bessie Gideon took over the hotel and they had it rebuilt because it burnt down in 1909 and they had to have it rebuilt. So they kind of moved it a little bit more inland. It was like on the really on the shore. So they moved it a bit. And that's the same building that's there now. Wow. An interesting like aside is in 1918, they inherited a parrot whose owners had left for a trip to Vancouver and uh, the boat sank. And they oh, all, no. everybody on the boat died. Oh, and this man, I heard um, about that parrot. That Polly was that her name? <laughs> exactly. I was going to say. Obviously, the parrot's name was Polly. Right. <laughs> and and so they inherited in 1918. Now, the interesting thing with Polly is that Polly lived to the age of 125 and died only in 1972. Jeez. What? That's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So it lived a long time. Now. Uh, the Gideons had this parrot for the rest of their lives, with Edwin passing away in 1925 and Mrs. Gideon in 1933. Mrs. Gideon is the important person here. Um, actually, the, um, the parrot's actually buried in Carcross Cemetery. Apparently, uh, Mrs. Gideon was supposed to be buried there as well, but uh, her grave's never been found, which is kind of creepy. Really? Now, Mrs. Gideon is the ghost that apparently is seen in this hotel the most often. Um, one of the stories in the mid sixties, uh, Archie Lang was a manager there and he said a woman appeared in his room on the second floor in the middle of the night. Now he thought it was just the chambermaid who showed up and, um, she kind of silently pointed at him and started walking away. So like he quickly got dressed and started following her downstairs. And once he got downstairs, she disappeared. That's bizarre. So, yeah, yeah, that's normally not normal. No, that's... normally not normal. That doesn't make sense. But yeah, that's not normal. <laughs> no, and it's less than ideal when you're sleeping and you. Yeah, that's. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, that, I did. Yeah, that could be though that he was just having some sort of dream. Maybe who knows? But pretty weird, and she sort of fit the description of uh, Mrs. Gideon. Right now, later now the current owners are Anne Morgan and Jamie Tool. They've owned it for a while. They've been renovating this thing for years at this point. I actually can't find out if the project was finished. There's a website for the Carcrest Hotel. They uh, they call it, the, it's the Caribou Hotel. Um, it's easy, cariboohotel.ca. But the website's super old looking and there's not much information there. They actually appeared on Dragon's Den. 
which is the Canadian version of Shark Tank right. for our American friends. And they got they pitched a whole renovation of this uh, hotel to have people come and visit it with all the history it has along with the ghosts. How did that and, turn out? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. We don't know if they've actually built it or not at this point. Ms. Morgan has mentioned that during the renovation, she kept hearing footsteps uh, upstairs and construction sounds too at times when she was alone in the hotel and there was no construction going on. Mm-hmm. So that's always uh, a red flag for ghostly activity. Yes, indeed. That no, I, ca- I, I, I glanced into this and I came across that too. Yeah, like they could hear hammering in a room that definitely nobody was in doing any work or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, just kind of the classic stuff like that is super I, creepy. I think the weirdest thing that I came across, I just briefly perused some of those articles and the the accounts from locals that consciously avoid the place and saying that they've seen Miss Gideon from like the windows and like some say yep. they see her with the parrot. <laughs> like, exactly. Well, that was, you read my mind. That was the next thing I was going to say. Oh, She's sorry. actually said, yeah, no, it's okay. This is why we're here. Uh, <laughs> Just stealing your thunder. Ms. Morgan actually. Yeah. Well, she said she's seen Bessie at the window with, uh, Bessie is uh, Ms. Gideon, Mrs. Gideon back then. We didn't say Ms., I guess. Uh, and uh, she was at the window with Polly on her shoulder, which is appropriate for what a, par- a, uh, a parrot does. Mm-hmm. Um, the fun thing, our government's kind of fun here in Canada, right? Well, we're going to touch on this later on with something else, but Canada Post actually issued a stamp of the hotel <laughs> with an image of the ghost looming over it. And it's a really scary image of the ghost. It's like a skull. Yeah, yeah spooky. Um, it's, I mean, like She looks gigantic. Yeah. And it's part of a haunted Canada series that they have uh, oh, cool i have i posted a link in the show notes too so you can uh, uh you can add that to the site if you Sweet. want yeah people should take a look at it it is a creepy stamp it really sure. is and like her hair is so weird because it's like it looks like a it glows freak. in the dark yeah. doesn't oh, it no way yeah <laughs> okay, that so that's why i looked yeah. cool we are Thanks, super canada cool <laughs> yeah canada post can be a lot of fun sometimes this is where our tax dollars are going eh for crazy glow in the dark exactly. stamps <laughs> <laughs> highly collectible highly collectible <laughs> yeah that's Very such cool. a cool story i love so wait that. a second brian would you try this the sour toe the sour toe cocktail yes okay. absolutely sour yeah I, I think i'm i think i'm much more adventurous than angela generally speaking when it comes to uh those kinds of things like we we had lunch today and angelo warned me he's like i'm not really big on like a lot of kinds of food so if we can find something that works for me let's do this <laughs> yeah guess what i had i had a poutine nice <laughs> yeah oh. So, so predictable. Canadian. So, so Canadian. Oh. Well, not even, even more just really Quebecois. Very much so. Come on. I love poutine now. Right. Oh, That's awesome. Gosh. Now, now I want But poutine. yeah, I would definitely, I would have a, the drink. I would see where it takes me. It might be fun. Yeah. Sour Well, the coffee. first time we ever heard of that drink was when we were watching uh, Canadian Pickers. You guys ever mm. see that show? Oh, yeah. yeah. It's I've not on anymore. It. But, uh, Scott and Sheldon. <laughs> oh my God. We used to watch it all the time. We watched it mm. like in the mornings drinking coffee because we're just super, yeah. We're, we're old souls. We're old souls. <laughs> we yeah. love that well, stuff. Actually, you, you guys recently mentioned this because I, I, I have a distinct memory of walking down the street uh, listening to your show <laughs> and you guys talking about Canadian pictures. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's either that or yeah. Murder, She Wrote. So. <laughs> oh, God. Good heavens. It's been a few episodes for that one, though. Yeah. There's something soothing about all that. <laughs> right? That's what we think. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I mean, certainly, yeah, the Caribou Hotel might not be a, a soothing evening if you stay there. I wonder if it is open now, like if they've mm-hmm. if they finished these renovations and stuff. I looked high and wide for this stuff. I could not find anything about it actually being open at this point. We're just going to have to go there. 
Just go there. Let's and hope go. Us. Well, you guys are closer. Nowhere is, nowhere is there a mention that uh, that Polly's actually like haunting the place either. Yeah, well, you, they see her on on Bessie's shoulder from time to time. I wonder if anybody okay, can. But hear she's a squawk. not like a separate entity. <laughs> she's like, what's that? I wonder if anyone can like hear a squawk or like, yeah, if she's a separate entity, like if it's like flying around. Yeah, exactly. That's mm. that'd be hilarious. Just a bird just flying around. <gasps> that'd be that's so cool. Well, just imagine the concept that you are stuck with a bird. Like, these people never come back. Like, how do you get rid of the bird? You can't, like, you're a monster if you open the window and let the bird out, yeah. right? So, yeah. And from what I heard, and too, like, um, Bessie, she had quite a time trying to retrain the bird because it had hurt or learned a lot of swear words and curses and all this. And really? she was just, like, trying to teach it Bible <laughs> verses, and it was not working. <laughs> oh, just Bible verses. Like, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what, what, that's what happens to a, a, a parrot that's hanging around minors all day. Yeah. Right? <laughs> guess so minors with an e though not yeah, yeah. not minors minors <laughs> right okay. yeah, a, bar, a bar for minors a bar for minors <laughs> in the yukon oh dear <laughs> not far off from what i've seen with all the corruption and all the criminals that are basically running that uh neck of the woods hey Did you yeah, come across any much. of that hey angelo when you were yes i was looking at that and a lot of uh, it's unfortunate that a lot of the politicians there and everybody's like this Everybody's been to jail at one point right. or another, so it's the, the population's so small, right? They 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 can't. All these people that have enough of a personality to become politicians are often also have enough of a personality to become criminals. <laughs> That's a really That's interesting parallel, hey? It like, is interesting. Even that guy, like Premier Dennis Fenty, he was convicted of heroin trafficking in 1975, served 17 months before he was pardoned. And that is a really eerily similar name to fentanyl. Fenty, Fenty. Anyways, I was just like, oh, <laughs> oh. Lord. Anyways. So, <laughs> sidetrack. I went to school with a guy who... Um, he ended up working for the Yukon News for a while, and what had happened is that he thought it was a summer internship, and he thought it was really cool, but they actually offered him like a full-time job, and he didn't realize it till he signed the contract and sent oh, it in, no. and uh, we didn't hear from him for like three months, and then he sent us a picture of his new home, which was a log cabin, and he had like an old station wagon in the back, and he was holding a shotgun, so we figured like he was pretty good <laughs> and well-protected, and he often would cover a lot of this corruption stuff. Um, so if you go ahead, I'll, I think I'll try and find some stuff that he covered, but yeah, he, uh, his name is Tristan. He now works for the national post, which is a, a little bit of a, a higher caliber of a publication oh, yeah. than the Yukon news, but he definitely has done a bunch of really Very interesting cool. stuff. I'd yeah. Love I'd love to, to take it. a look at that. That'd be awesome. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, are we ready to, uh, to take, take a walk out East a little bit, not East East, but Eastern from where we are. Are we ready to go North, to Alberta? Northeast. Yeah, let's do this. Or Northwest, I guess. Yeah. 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 We're, we're going down to Alberta. Cool. Right. Right. So we decided to uh, talk a bit about Calgary because Calgary is like a surprisingly haunted city for its like size and history. Like it's it's over 100 years old. You know, it hasn't been around for too long. Its population isn't huge, but there's a lot of like unfortunate uh, tragic incidents that have happened there, uh, especially um, in the I'd say like the first half of the 20th century in particular. Um, and one of the things that I wanted to talk about very briefly was something called the, like, so a lot of these sites have like really boring names for hauntings, but this one's actually kind of cool. It's called the devil's playground. That is that. Ooh. Yes. That's not a boring name. No. So it's located sort of like on the Eastern fringes of uh, Calgary proper. And, uh, the story goes that there was a fire in the early 20th century and a bunch of kids got trapped and you can go and see there. Well, you can't anymore because it got torn down, but you can go and see, uh, you know, back then, uh, throughout the ensuing decades, you could see like glass fogging up and like the yells of children, like all this like weird oh, kind man. of stuff um, converging upon there. So it's just like one of the many weird and different sites uh, out in Calgary that you can encounter um, just like that. And there's a ton of articles that actually like make like super long lists about um, why 
uh, where they are. And that's the thing is I tried to figure out why it was so haunted. And there doesn't seem to be like a definitive answer as to why uh, there's like such a concentrated mass of like unfortunate events that have unfolded there. That totally caught me off guard when, yeah, like when you guys posted that in the, in the docs, like just Calgary in general, like, yeah, I, no. last oh, yeah. last city i would like if you're not from canada and you know some canadian geography and you were just ask somebody like hey like what do you think is the what do you think is the most haunted city in canada calgary would be at the bottom of wow. the list like it wouldn't really and, come and, yeah for sure and you only know calgary because of bret hart yeah <laughs> bret hart all our, all our all our wrestling friends know who bret hart, bret hart is oh, oh i know who that is okay there you yeah. go oh, yes okay. you had to say wrestling From calgary alberta canada you had to say that's wrestling to announce him in the wwe or wwf whatever that's awesome you're yeah. showing your age here anyway. yeah the wwf i was at the i was at the montreal screw job so there what in '97? Yeah, if you look that up, look up the Montreal screw job. If you don't know what it is, Montreal screw job uh, at '97. Important time in wrestling history. I am. I'm. I'm writing that down right now to look. It up. I'm so glad that you've decided to insert like a little bit of, of like wrestling history into this otherwise fun this podcast. Is, Thank you, Angela. This episode has everything now. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but another place we want to talk about, and Angela and I were just talking about this, is a place called the Dean House, right, Angela? Yeah, and that's um, it was built in 1906 and named after Richard Burton Dean, who at the time was the superintendent. Of, uh, he was the superintendent of the Royal Northwest Mountain Police. And uh, later, though, that house was turned into a boarding house. And there's always been rumors of death and murders and suicide. The thing is, none of them were actually documented, and they were most likely just urban legends. Hmm. Uh, some of the examples for uh, are like a young child died in the in the attic cupboard. Uh, there was a murder of a jaded lover on Valentine's Day, of course. A hmm. uh, young girl was also see, said to have been to jumped for, uh, from the window on the second floor to her death uh, onto the banks of the Bow River, which is right next to it. Oh Lord! But there is uh, there are a few actually documented deaths. Uh, one of them, uh, well, two of them are uh, of Irma. Umperville, I guess is how they would pronounce that. Um, yeah, Umperville, yeah. And she, she fled her husband, Roderick, uh, and basically held up in Dean House before he actually tracked her down. And he stabbed her to death, uh, and then he took his own life. And that took place in 1971. The, Some dark stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And the, the, the Cal- so look, this is how haunted Calgary is. They have a, uh, the Calgary Center for Advanced uh, Paranormal Investigation. And uh, they deem the Dean House as definitely haunted. That's in quotes. And uh, is that like a like a, a scale? Like we get, talked about the the double density scale ufology, and this is like their scale of like, nah, it's okay to like, oh, we need to run. There's like six thousand ghosts coming after us. Yeah, the the CCAPI uh, scale of hauntedness, uh, from definitely haunted to totally haunted to possibly haunted, maybe haunted, not totally haunted. Who knows? Um, but it is a popular stop on the Calgary ghost tours. Um, there's a and some of the things that happen there include like uh, so if like and there's been like um, a lot of these like anecdotal kind of like uh, pieces of evidence that suggest this so like unplugged phones will start ringing um, there's uh, what else is there there's, there's like there's rocking chairs yeah well people will start smell for no reason smell tobacco some more smells uh, and being uh, 2018 the place is non-smoke uh, non-smoking uh, one of my favorite scariest things is disembodied laughter and that's something that happens there a lot oh um it's yeah yeah, yeah. and it's um, yeah Man. there was a murder mystery dinner going on there once and a woman uh, went to the basement to look for clues and uh, she found uh, a native man in the in the basement uh, who asked to uh, stop 
trespassing on sacred land. Wow. So she kind of got scared and left. Okay. Uh, well then. Isn't the creepiest thing, uh, in my opinion anyway, is that there's a blood stain in the attic. And apparently that's where that young boy, the one I mentioned earlier, who was in the cupboard, he killed himself. And the stain is rumored to change color and shape every once in a while. And it keeps coming back. They try to scrub it and scrub it and scrub it. And apparently it keeps coming back in the floorboards. Oh, and the door of that closet, it refuses to lock. No matter how many times the staff have tried, they cannot lock that door. That is right. weird. That's oh. like ground zero of like weird stuff. There's also a place called Crosshouse. Oh, wait. One um, last thing, Brian, I wanted to oh, say. Oh, sure. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Uh, very Canadian. Sorry. Oh. Uh, <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Sorry, not sorry. Yeah. <laughs> of course... Guess what doesn't work in Dean House? Cameras do not ever work really? when you're trying to take a picture of the ghost. Uh, of course, it does work. If you go on uh, TripAdvisor, you'll see that the place is now a, a, an actual very successful restaurant. And there's tons of pictures of the food. None of the pictures have ghosts in them, though. I was kind of hoping you say the one thing that didn't work in there was logic. Like, that would have been like a great <laughs> pun. Oh, Sorry. L- <laughs> so what i was trying to say before is that there's also like adjacent to that nearby there's also a place called cross house which is the former lodging of one ae cross so apparently cross's two children fell terribly ill and died within minutes of one another uh while he waited at the train station for uh the medicine to arrive from winnipeg and uh yeah apparently according to a lot of like different tales like these two kids haunt the house now creepy yeah kids kid ghosts are always the creepiest i like i mean i'd way rather be stalked by like an old man ghost than a kid ghost i don't know why yeah no because they want to play i think it's because kids are just like yeah they're like they're unpredictable and they want to play with you like angela just said yeah Yeah. Yeah, but Calgary, like like we're saying, is like surprisingly haunted, and like there's like a ton of these kinds of places where um, there are purported stories. Like, of course, obviously, there's not a ton of evidence supporting um, a lot of these uh, incidents, but it's weird to think that like there's this like weird culture of like supernatural um, occurrences happening in such a close proximity. Yeah, that's so cool. Like, yeah. man, like, well, yeah, the like, is it a gateway? It could be. Oh, oh is it a portal? <laughs> oh, portal, Some sort of a yes. portal to the hot spot. That it, there's there's we can go into the portal. There's definitely <laughs> something about the fact where like whenever there's multiple sightings and multiple experiences that are similar in the same sort of area, if the buildings or locations aren't directly like connected in any really specific way, I find that really interesting. Just because it's like yeah, Calgary in general, like you know, mm-hmm. Calgary in general. All yeah, of a sudden, I, there's all these well, things that we didn't know about, but it's super in, super in haunted. In particular buildings, though, too. Man, you know it was so crazy. Like when you mentioned this disembodied laughter, and uh, and also connected to well, not connected directly, but the the ghost of the native man that told that lady at the mystery dinner thing to leave. I immediately I was like, boom! Like that just totally reminds me of that early episode from Astonishing Legends, right? Where the laughing Indian. The laughing Indian is what it's called, and yeah. that just like again, it's so random, right? Because is. Is it the location? Because in that case with the Laughing Indian, it was just a random occurrence with this guy at his own house one night. And he heard this like, well, the story goes like he heard this Indian, la- oh, not Indian. He didn't describe it as an Indian. Episode, yeah, was, but like- he heard someone laughing, disembodied laughter several times, almost as if it was laughing at him. He ended up getting a shotgun out because he was so paranoid and, right. and searching the entire house with his dog who also heard it too, right? It was right. kind of story. But again, is, is it the place? Because, like, he never had that occur to him ever again after that. Right. Or is it just, like, the person, maybe? Like, the land or the building or the I don't know. area. 
Yeah. Yeah, well, know. this area well, has here, a ghost tour, right? So th- there's a whole bunch of places. This the thing like this this place sounds like the creepiest though with the kids in front of the fireplace talking to each other and oh, playing. Definitely. And yeah. Here's here's my my tip of the day if ghost kids ask you to play with them, don't. <laughs> yeah. That's that's a good tip. Sounds like yeah. a like a dad move. Yeah, <laughs> as as a dad myself, if you have if there's ghost kids, don't yeah. play. <laughs> advice what if your kids are like i want to play with the ghost kids what do you say to your kids then make new friends <laughs> oh that, that's sensible yeah. that's that's sensible <laughs> make new friends. They're uh, a bad influence asking on a you. question to you guys though do you guys believe and i sort of feel this way that like there are different like levels of energy in a lot of these places and i feel like in covering like things like cryptids and getting back to that question you're asking about like is it the place and i feel like it kind of is the place mm-hmm. right um because of the fact that i do think that like there are different kinds of like sources and various levels of energies that do exist and coexist right so i feel like there are certain uh, places that attract this kind of right. thing maybe oh yeah i i think i i think i tend to agree with you on that yeah i think that when people see a ghost like i mean the, here's the thing i'm not a ghost researcher i don't i'm not, I'm not an aficionado or anything but no. i've never seen one but <clears throat> i do i have friends and i have family that, who have said they've seen ghosts and I feel like, yeah, I feel like it's it's tied to place more so than it being just like the energy from a spirit. I feel like maybe a building or a piece of land or a specific place could be a, hmm. you know, a, a receptacle for just energies and energies coming from a, a, yeah. an individual. Yeah. I feel like you're going down the magnetic grid or am I going down the ley line? It's route. the magnetic grid, man. I feel like there could be hot spots in either way, like because you get cases of poltergeist, for example, that the energy usually centers around a child. Uh, and so there, I feel like there just could be different epicenters for these energies per se. Right. Some are more. Per- yeah. 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 Definitely. Mm-hmm. In broad strokes. It's interesting that all these places are either pubs or uh, restaurants. That's interesting, too. Yeah. So. More public. Hey. Yeah. yeah, like the, the the next, the other place we, we wanted to talk about it, the, the Hose and Hound, and it's a, it's another pub, it's a pub, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently there's other weird stuff going on. There used to be a fire station, and the funny thing about this place is apparently it's haunted by the ghost of a monkey named Barney, <laughs> um, and it was, um, or Jocko, there's two monkeys actually, they were both owned by uh, James Cappy Smart, he was the old fire chief there, and he had a taste for exotic pets. Now, the thing with Barney is he apparently attacked a small child and after it was put down. Aww. Um, Yeah, I know. But it's like, you shouldn't be keeping monkeys. No, that's not a good idea. They're not meant for the firehouse. (laughs) Just get a Dalmatian like everybody else. Seriously. And, and what I like about Calgary is that it doesn't discriminate when it comes to different kinds of ghosts. Yeah. It's like, yeah, we got monkey ghosts, we got human ghosts, we got like adult and child ghosts. Like we got, we got a bit of everything yeah. here. Yeah, and uh, the strange things that happen in the pub apparently that like things fly off, or fly around the kitchen, appliances turn on and off. Uh, there's pounding coming from the floorboards, and all of them are often blamed on the monkey. Uh, and the staff, they testify apparently to hearing horses. Uh, or feel heavy breathing on their backs um, when they're uh, on the backs of their necks when they're near the old stable. So there's horse ghosts too. That's creepy. Breath on the. And I just wanted to say, like I uh, used to work in a movie theater that it's apparent that was apparently haunted, Uh, and uh, we wanted to like this. This is like a long time ago when I was uh, like late teens, and we wanted to go into the basement and bring a Ouija board and contact like the ghosts that were in there. Uh, we never did that. Oh, and that's too bad. more recently, I th- <laughs> yeah, I think we talked about this place, right, Brian? Did we ever talk about it? Yeah, I think we did. We mentioned it. Yeah. In one of our episodes, yeah. we talked about your, 
and, uh, sorted past as a as a theater employee. Yeah, and my friend who used to work there with me, uh, he sent me a, a a link to a YouTube video of somebody doing some urban exploring because the building's still there, but it's abandoned. And somebody was doing urban exploring in the old building, and it was really weird to see like the abandoned movie theater. Somebody walking in there in the dark with a flashlight. He went into the basement where the Coke machines used to be. He went upstairs to the break room. It's really, really, really creepy looking now, especially because nobody's in there and it's it's fallen into disarray. Yeah, Ooh, yeah. that's the best. I love abandoned places. I love abandoned places too. Oh, I mean, yeah, it's terrifying, but it's, it's just so the cool. The patina, man. The, <laughs> the patina. Well, you should look look into the the Montauk project and and check out that abandoned uh, base, man, right, Brian? That's something we have yet to really dive into. We've seen so much of it on like you know like just in general like you know pop culture, but I have yet to actually dive. Well, it's in. always kind of funny because like we're we're sort of new on the scene like with the podcast, and yeah. I mean we we've we've looked into lots of you know paranormal things and ancient history and stuff like over the years, but we feel like such noobs when it comes to to certain like paranormal topics that are so well known in the community, and then people start talking about it, and we're kind of like yeah 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 you learn learn about stuff i i've learned stuff brian's learned stuff actually though brian hasn't learned anything because he he knows most of the stuff (laughs) because he's he has archives and archives of uh old coast to coast am right uh, episodes so cool yeah he knows a lot of the stuff but uh the montauk thing is kind of fun because it's like an abandoned base what's the base called again brian do you remember I'm drawing a blank yeah. right now. Anyway, we talked about it and uh, on an episode, and then we had TJ talk about it as well with us uh, briefly when uh, he was on. And uh, right. everybody knows TJ that. from Pints and Puzzles. Of course. Yeah, good old TJ. Cheers, cool. man. Oh yeah, we're drinking beer right yeah. now. We'll <laughs> definitely. Uh, I have a, I have a photo of myself drinking beer <laughs> while we're recording with you guys. So I'll I'll definitely be tweeting. Oh, it's Camp Hero. Sorry, the place it came to me just now is Camp Hero. There we there go. We go. Yeah, there we go. So if you want to start uh, digging down into the different kinds of layers from like that, oh, that sounds believable to uh, ripping holes in space and time, then like that is a place to like sort of like look at. Very cool. About. Add to the yeah, list. because it gets real nutty real quick. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. So that's it for Calgary for us, I think, unless you have more ghost sightings you like to mention, Angela. But like, like we were saying, like you can look so many of them up. Yeah, they're they're uh, and what's fun is that some of them are on TripAdvisor, which is kind of funny. Sweet. I'm definitely going to be doing the. We should definitely do the ghost tour next time. We've got family yeah. in Calgary. We haven't been out there for a few years, Aww. but next time we go, I'm, yeah. I'm definitely doing it. I've That's never nice. done a ghost tour before, ever. I know, Neither yeah. have I. but I've always wanted to. I mean, we were saying we were going to go to Europe to do our first uh, ghost tour. Yeah, we were going to save it, but I mean, yeah, you know, wanted to go do one in Prague. Yeah, underground epic Prague. Ghost oh yeah, in that's Prague. ooh. Mm-hmm. Anyway. So we're moving on to the Northwest Territories. Is that right? Do I have the right order here? Mm-hmm. You do. Okay. Yes. Yay! I did something Woo-hoo. right. Sweet. Okay. <laughs> so. Okay. This oh, one's. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this one. This is a cryptid creature that, again, I had never heard about until you know I was kind of searching around in the provinces trying to find something interesting to discuss with you guys. But have you ever heard of the Wahila? I have no, okay. and Once no. Again. I went to the website, and I love the picture that guy has it's on his website. Very cool, right? Uh, where he's photoshopped his face onto uh, somebody else's body. I think that's Chris Pratt's body. <laughs> pretty funny. It's pretty hilarious. He's like even photoshopped hair onto himself. It's very odd. It's, it took a lot of effort. I mean, yeah, he worked. He worked way harder than the person who made the drawing of Cressy, which you will all hear about in that, uh, part two. Of that us. is a that's a work of art, man. Don't don't knock him down too much. That's all right, it, all it right. took at least it took at least a minute to draw that. 
Yes. At least. At anyway. least. Okay. <laughs> By Andrew's standards. <laughs> By Andrew's standards, yeah. <laughs> Took me a minute. Okay, great. <laughs> so anyway, the Wahila. So this is a cryptic creature from the Northwest Territories, but it is also known to be sighted in Northern Alaska and sometimes in Northern Michigan. Um, I don't know how credible those sightings like- would be comparatively to the Northwest Territories in Alaska, it being so much more remote, obviously. But... And cold. Basically, this is a massive, pure white wolf. It is a creature that has been known to hunt alone, crossing the tundra and eating hunters who are foolish enough to be out there by themselves. Most people, most researchers earlier on just assumed that this was Inuit legend, and it's tied into a creature called the Amarok. So A-M-A-R-O-K, which is basically a gigantic wolf of Inuit mythology. And it also crosses over into, um, not Norse mythology, but like Nordic European mythology as well. So like, um, in Iceland, Norway, all that kind of stuff. It's basically just, yeah, the Amarok, this giant wolf. And the, the interesting thing is that people have actually claimed to see this thing. And, and some of them are, are, you know, it's not just nobodies it's very credible people it's hunters in the community that have been hunting for you know decades and decades and decades it's police officers there's a bunch of different accounts of people seeing wolves that were way bigger than they should have been and so this caught the attention of uh, ivan t sanderson who is this well-known cryptozoologist and he searched for everything from sasquatch and yeti and all this kind of stuff to the boggy creek monster and all kinds of different Mm -hmm. things So, but basically he was doing an investigation and what he found was that the descriptions were that this creature is at least three times the size of the largest wolf we know of. And the largest wolf we know of, I don't have, I'm trying to find, (laughs) my notes are all all over the place here. So basically it stands like around just over four and a half feet, like with the head. Really? Only four and a half. Yeah. So it's not, it's like, it's not that tall. I mean, well, that's pretty. I mean, that's pretty big for very. Wolf. It's a big animal. I guess so. But I mean, if you've, it's not as big as as Jon Snow's ghost uh, uh, wolf in uh, Game of Thrones, right? But still pretty big. Pretty big. <laughs> but I mean, like if you've seen a Great Dane or like an Irish wolfhound and things like that, like those are big animals too. So it's like, yeah, it's big, but it's not like mythological big. But supposedly these wahilas are yeah like three times the size. So standing taller <laughs> than a man. And I mean, the weight wow. estimates are just speculation, but would weigh anywhere between like 300 and 650 pounds. Jeez. Um, that yeah, that's, a, that's yeah. a big, it's a big animal. So Ivan T. Sanderson was looking for these things in the mid 1970s. And basically, I mean, they have sort of shorter limbs than most normal wolves, which makes me think that it's almost sort of halfway in between a wolf and a bear kind of mm, thing. Mm-hmm. Almost. Oh. It's, um, it's not quite as long and lanky and graceful as a wolf, supposedly, from these uh, descriptions, but it has dense, shaggy fur and a very thick tail and definitely does not hunt in packs, just roams around completely by itself. So the question is, what exactly could these things possibly be? Is this just, is this just legend or, or could there be some sort of a, a cryptid creature out here that's, a, that's some sort of a hybrid wolf or... Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the classic the classic argument would be people are seeing maybe just one really gigantic wolf. Sure, it's a it's a wolf of gigantism, or it's just some sort some sort of an anomaly. Mm-hmm. 
but it's not a species hmm. of Wahila. My question is what the face looks like. Okay. Like, so. is it more of a bear face? Is it more of a wolf face? Is it, like, a little bit of both? I'm staring at this really hilarious photo right now. Well, it's not hilarious. It's actually right. pretty maybe accurate, I don't know, of, like, a bear crossed with, like, a lynx, it almost looks like, but with a long tail. So there's a species <laughs> of wolf called the dire wolf. Yeah. Um, which I believe is the species that's been, like, linked in folklore to, like, werewolves. Well, that's the, that's um, the wolves in, in Game of Thrones. Is well. that? Okay. Uh, yeah. That makes sense. Um, but basically the dire wolf is like, and it's an extinct species that kind of ended off in the late Pleistocene period, but they were massive and they had short, shorter faces, more like similar to like similar, similar to a dog or to a bear. And so Ivan T. Sanderson was sort of speculating that these, there could have been some sort of an offshoot of these sort of dog, bear, dire wolf creatures that have found a way to survive in the remote wilderness of the Northwest, Northwest Territories in Alaska and all these places up north and continue to produce offspring in very, very small litters and hunt alone. Mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't think I couldn't come across enough evidence to really like say one way or the other if I believe in these things or not, but I think if something was going to exist that was this big... Northwest Territories of Canada would be a very likely place for it to be. Yeah, definitely. That's, I mean, it's such a massive uh, space of land, right? The idea that uh, a species like that could exist is definitely um, very believable. And I think, too, um, given that it's not just um, spatially large, but also like a very rough terrain, I think makes it even more difficult to ascertain whether or not it does mm-hmm. exist. Definitely, yeah. yeah. Very not many people around to actually be seeing these things either. Yeah. Oh, that's the thing. It's basically just hunters or stories of hunters not returning. And then that just becomes kind of a part of legend where it's like, well, they didn't return because of the Wahila. They were out by themselves. And so that's just part of indigenous legend. Hmm. But as we've come to realize, researching for a lot of these things is that indigenous legends are so, they're, they're all tied so directly to truths and real events. And more so than allegories. It's like they've become allegorical hundreds of years later because there was something real that happened. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's, there's always something real there. I, Mm. I tend to believe that, um, this short faced bear that basically died off in the Pleistocene period, that was sort of similar to the dire wolf, basically. That makes sense to me. There could be some sort of a hybrid species. Maybe it is a bear. Maybe it is a bear. Maybe it's not a wolf at all. It's, it's just some sort of a, uh. Yeah, it's kind of funny. It reminds me there was another one. You guys ended up doing the Yukon, obviously, but there's a creature in the Yukon known as the the Yukon beaver eater. And it's, yeah, yeah, lots of jokes with that one too, right? But uh, (laughs) basically, um, this thing is supposed to be similar to like a giant ground sloth. And that's what I'm reminded of a lot with this, uh, with the Wahila in the sense that the size and that these creatures were around in this area with sort of the short face and uh, could have survived. I mean, they survived in the same sort of temperatures that exist today. So right. I, I totally buy that. It's not something that is outside of the realm of possibility. And it's something I've always brought up with Brian, is if there's anything paranormal I'm willing to believe in, is it is it in some cryptids are possible. Mm-hmm. Because we know there are animals on this planet that went undiscovered for thousands of years. And there are things that we 
may not know about, and that's totally possible. I think in terms of like possibility, cryptids are always towards the top of the list. I agree. <laughs> that's where Andrew lies. That's my, yeah, that's my, <laughs> yeah, that's my realm. So anyway, yeah, watch yeah. out for uh, Wahilas if you're hiking around in the Northwest Territories. That's, uh, yeah. So you hear that, Angela? Yeah. The next time you're dadding around with your kids, don't go there. I hardly <laughs> like hiking on the mountain right near my house. I'm not going to be <laughs> hiking in the Northwest Territories anytime soon. You're safe. You're safe. Okay. Yeah, I'm all good. Oh, so I, I, we're heading over to Saskatchewan. I guess so. Yeah. Let's do it. Okay. We've got the Legend of Candle Lake. Very mysterious. So, some general info on this lake. Um, Basically, it is in northern Saskatchewan, and it actually is home to the Candle Lake Provincial Park. So, yeah, roughly like 80 kilometers northeast of St. Albert. It is an ideal spot for vacationing in the summer times. Um, There's definitely lots of camping, fishing, water sports, blah, blah, blah. Very, it's like Lake Placid, right? (laughs) (laughs) what is that from like friday the 13th with freddy anyways (laughs) anyways so just the lead in there um lots of people do like to go there for christmas as well there's lots of private cabins and there's also a resort yeah it's a summer and winter retreat very beautiful definitely want to visit but anyways the legend so the story goes as follows um when uh, northern saskatchewan was first sort of experiencing its first wave, sorry, of um, white immigrants from Europe, they basically came to this area of Candle Lake and found it deserted entirely. Uh, There was evidence of rotting dwellings of the indigenous peoples present, as well as um, a large, like, multiple burial sites. So that was very predominant. And it was kind of really eerie and disturbing. So as the settlers began establishing themselves and interacting with the neighboring Cree tribes, they described, the tribes described the Candle Lake as being haunted by evil spirits, and it was consciously avoided by the natives because of this. So, also described by the natives um, was this mysterious phenomenon seen late at night, mostly described as an eerie glow, sometimes described as like a sphere, so like an orb is kind of what I'm equating it with. And it would usually be moving about in and about the trees, kind of bobbing around on the northern side of the lake. So, okay. This was basically the genesis for its name as Candle Lake. Uh, Later was anglicized, obviously, into English. So now it just remains that way to this day. And ever since, um, Canadians, Canadians, like, yeah, like settler populations have been there. They've seen this mysterious light. Uh, I had an account from a Dennis Chamberlain, who's a longtime resident of Candle Lake. And this is a quote from him. He says, I used to see them when I was a kid. They looked like something very low. Like, sorry, they looked something like very low northern lights bouncing around. Hmm. End quote. So, hmm. yeah. Not very, like, there's no accounts of it being like, you know, like a Skinwalker Ranch where dogs go missing and there's burn marks and whatever Jeez. else. Right. But... Again, very mysterious. And I also saw accounts where it's only around when the lake isn't frozen, which kind of bolsters the skeptic argument, which I'll mention in a second. But before I do, I just want to mention the most recent sighting, and this was taken from the National UFO Reporting Center website, which I just discovered this afternoon before we sat down. (laughs) (laughs) And it's really neat. So this was actually in 2013. The date, oh my gosh, 
It's the ninth month of the year. What's the ninth month of the year, guys? September. September. Really? Oh, yeah, it is. Oh, my gosh. I should know this because my birthday is the eighth month of the year. <laughs> Holy. Okay. So, September 7th, 2013. This was um, at 2,200 hours. And it was described as a bright orange light that was round, so orb-shaped, um, just kind of orbiting around Candle Lake, flying low from east to west. And the duration was 30 minutes, approximately. It's a long time. Three minutes, yeah. So it kind of reminds me of your crazy orb story, hey, Andrew, that you told the other day to Jer. <laughs> yeah. Very similar. It but you said it similar. was about 15 minutes for you, hey? Yeah, something mm-hmm. like that. Anyways, and, and the account, it also just says here, several people saw this. At one time, it seemed to hover, and then it disappeared. So. What? Yeah. And this was in 2013? Yeah, 2013. It was recent. Very recent. Hmm. And did they not have phones with them to video this? Right? Yeah, that's my question. This is I don't know. But anyways. Suspicious. I, I kind of give yes. them whatever, because, like, I never have my phone on me when I really need it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I need to video this, and then it's just not there. But anyways, yeah, so that's the most recent one. Um, the sort of skeptic argument that I will mention right off the bat is the idea, obviously, of the quintessential swamp gas, you know? Um, well, that's that's what I thought as soon as you started talking exactly, about Exactly, yeah. So yeah. basically they <laughs> describe it, it could be a glow, a phosphorescent glow caused by a gas escaping from rotting logs, which definitely reminds me of a lot of explanations offered about, like, say, like, Lake Baikal, and as well, oh my gosh, we've seen this reported, like, you know, like, what was that lake monster? Was it Cressy? It was one of them. We were looking into, it was like an in search of documentary, and they were offering that same explanation um, for the sightings of what appeared to be like a long serpentine thing in the water that would roll about and kind of like, like you know, like kind of go back and forth oh, a bit yeah, and make, move. <clears throat> make and like a vibrating, kind of, shimmering exactly, kind of Exactly, and then disappear. Right. And so they were saying like, oh, no, 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 that's just the effect of the gas escaping the log rolling, rolling. over. Right. And then it disappears because the gas escapes and the log just, you know, obviously sinks. Right. So, yeah, but just, just to kind of like... <sighs> I don't know, bolster the native perspective per se, like the Cree tribes around the area. They, they refer to it as a haunted place. They refer to it as a um, sort of a condemned area that they just avoid. And in my interpretation, what is most likely, most likely, and I'm, I'm playing like, you know, devil's advocate here is that they were basically just wiped out by smallpox. And that's a huge occurrence that like you know occurred right. all over the right. all over the country but anyways right. yeah so that's the idea that it wasn't as if it was actually haunted and the tribes just left because of that it was because they had reason to and the multiple burial sites obviously bolster that as well yeah but yeah. Right. and they they just kind of just refer to it as like a demonic spirit like it's just right. like a, you so know, they like, don't see it as like a as like a UFO, like or anything, right? No. It's not like it's it's just sort of an evil place. So they've assigned like some kind of attribute to kind it. Kind of, yeah, yeah, some sort of legend. But I don't know. I kind of I I just hover between. <laughs> ironic, fun and and I hover between all three of those sort of uh, theories. I don't know. What do you guys think? Well, for me, like uh, I, I think the interesting part is the fact that like, yeah, sure. There could have been, there was some, maybe some burial sites there and stuff like that. And that Mm. would be an indication that the smallpox idea makes more sense other than the story basically saying that it was the very first wave of European settlers in this area, which would have been as early as 1690. Mm -hmm. And, and that would have been, 
smallpox wouldn't have been like they you know they wouldn't well, have been uh, necessarily bringing the their blankets is, though, covered I in smallpox with them. I feel like I feel like the traders would have been way ahead of the settlers too, right? Like explorers that, that, that and is, people. So yeah. they could have potentially a contact before the right. people that were trying to permanently settle there. I don't know. Because if it wasn't smallpox, then that's bizarre because there's the other tribes are around. The other peoples are still there mm-hmm. and they don't want to go to this area. And there's ample fishing. There's lots of resources at this lake. Right. And they just, they're just like, nope. Did they get abducted? <laughs> oh, maybe. <gasps> it's well, another Anjakuni Lake. Yeah, we, yeah that will, which we'll be covering in part yes. two of uh, this. But yeah, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll stick to, I think it's swamp gas and owls. <laughs> <laughs> at the same uh, time i'm going with cosmic cosmic laser pointers. Oh. <laughs> or it could be northern lights i'm always i've always been intrigued by orbs because of the idea that they are self-sustaining um uh beings i guess would be the best way of saying it or like you know forms filled with energy right they're like they, they they're self-lighting right. like if you put them in a dark room they'll light the room up so i find that's like a very interesting facet of like what an orb is and could mm. be right because it's kind of different than a lot of other sort of like different like paranormal things because the fact is like they create their own energy source yeah. almost. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. And uh, and so to me, I almost feel like it draw it does draw from the area. I maybe I'm going to go on and like take my skeptic hat off and say like I, it could be demonic spirits. Let's go the the <laughs> oh, yeah. like, route. Like <laughs> cool. Huh. Like yeah, it. yeah. And the thing with with orbs is the ones that you see in photos. But you didn't see them when you took the photo. Those aren't orbs. Right? That's <laughs> dust. Uh, or what is it? Lens the flare. That, <laughs> yeah, there's lens flare as well. But you wouldn't see that in the in real life. Like if you're actually seeing an orb and you take a picture of it, then that would have to appear right. somehow in the photo. Right. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Well, I, I I had an orb story from when I was young. I I, I saw something that resembled an orb and i i did i told the story for for jerry for the uh patreon for hillbilly episode. horror stories for their mm-hmm. patreon episode and i did not have a phone a camera phone no, <laughs> of, of course not while you were a kid yeah, so um which is really a shame. I, I will not hold that against just you. i hold it against myself because it's because <laughs> it's a shame but i hope i will see something similar again eventually someday so do I. So anyway, I are, we, are we ready to, <gasps> to ready migrate to move on, on to Manitoba? Here? I'm excited. Manitoba. We are ready to go to Manitoba. Is that our last province of this episode? I, I think it's so. It sure is. It's the end of part yes. one. Which we definitely did not record no, before no. part two. Even though we mentioned in part two that we're recording it before part one. But that's <laughs> we're just mean. messing. We're messing Right, but that's people. in the future. <laughs> yeah, that's we have future. It's future. time travel capabilities. Right. Exactly. And we actually <laughs> also mentioned it on the episode of Double Density. It's already out. <laughs> We were going to be doing that, but that's okay. We do not, let's not peek behind the curtain, even though we already have. Yep. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, to start things off is sort of like an asterisk to the whole thing. Like, I just wanted to discuss how weird of a province Manitoba is in the fact that, like, there have been, um, so can, so Quebec and Manitoba go back and forth as the leader of uh, reported UFO settings over the last, like, 25 to 30 years. Um, so in 2012, Manitoba was leading the charge, and then in 2016, uh, Quebec uh, took the crown away and it's like a really weird space and I think we've talked about this uh, on our own show and I know that you Andrew and Amber are probably going to cover this in a future 
episode, but you know, things like Charlie Red Star and the Falcon Lake mm-hmm. incident are some of the, like the more well-known um, cases in Canadian ufology. So I just wanted to sort of like throw that out there as like a beginning and sort of like note the fact that like it's a weird province for that to happen. Man, I yeah. totally pulled yeah. up my Charlie Red Star notes just for this part. It's like, <laughs> oh, we got some connections going on. <laughs> we gotta be ready. <laughs> yeah, and and uh, again, talking about our government doing quirky things, they just issued a Falcon Lake incident uh, coin. It's a twenty dollar oh. coin. It sort of looks like a, it almost looks like a guitar pick. Uh, yeah, it definitely does. And uh, the thing is, it's, a, it's, it's first of all, it's a twenty dollar coin. You're not going to use it uh, because it costs hundred and thirty dollars Canadian, <laughs> and it's already sold out. Oh really, it's already collector's item. <laughs> Yeah, and you forgot the best part, Angelo. It's glow in the dark. Oh yes, also glows in the Just dark. Like we days. we love our glow in the dark <laughs> we stuff. We really do. Uh, the funny thing is, if you head over to the Canadian Mint website, there's like a Q and A section, and a bunch of people thought it was an April Fool's joke, and it's just like, no, this is completely legitimate. Like the Canadian Mint kept having to answer these questions that, in fact, like this is a legit thing. That right. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. <laughs> so yeah, we wanted to cover UFOs, but we, I feel like we do that um, generally a lot on our own show so we we wanted to break away and talk about a really interesting place um which is the fort gary hotel in winnipeg and i uh, actually anecdotally i had a friend who had stayed there on business a couple years ago and they had stayed so uh i'll explain the story a bit and then i'll explain where they actually stayed so the fort gary hotel is a pretty historic hotel uh, located in winnipeg it's uh over 100 years old, so it opened up in December 1913, and it's actually a Canadian historical site and was named that in the early 80s. And uh, so this uh, hotel has 246 rooms, but room 202 in particular is uh, the one that everyone wants to sort of stay in because that's allegedly like the haunted room. And my friend ended up um, staying on the second floor of the hotel, which apparently like the the strangeness of 202 kind of bleeds out into the entirety um, of uh, the floor, so she was hearing a lot of uh, like disembodied laughing mm-hmm. oh, that she couldn't okay. figure out where it was coming from, and so she thought it was like kids in the hallway. She opened the door, she took a look, there was nothing there. She closed the door, and then she'd hear it over and over. And uh, luckily, she just turned like the TV on, I think, in order to drown out the sounds of laughter while falling <laughs> One way asleep. To get rid of ghosts. But <laughs> in hindsight, she didn't realize like this the sort of history behind it. And then as she was explaining to me, and then she was like kind of like looking around, and she had realized that like she had probably been touched by this like really weird um sort of thing that happens to you when you stay there very creepy so uh room two in particular um is actually you can request it and it's probably the most famous room um and apparently like in the room itself there's like a lot of like ghostly figures so a man either cloaked in black or a woman in a ball gown and usually they like they will appear at like the foot of your bed they're not next to you they're kind of like in front of you sort of at a distance and uh Apparently, so the story, or sorry, like the most, um, most reported story, I guess, because like a lot of these legends, as always, don't actually have like a definitive start to them. But legend has it that a newlywed couple stayed in the hotel in the 1920s, but the husband was killed by a horse-drawn cart when the bride sent him for headache pills, like pre-Advil, oh, I guess. Yeah. And uh, apparently, she committed su- a suicide in the room. Um, and of course, the hotel has to sort of deny this because, like, who wants to admit that there's like people killing themselves on your premises? But uh, the fact remains that apparently she ended her life there uh, out of grief, and. Uh, so apparently uh, there's another room um, on the second floor uh, where uh, a spirit lady in a white ball gown will appear to you. And the hotel has found proof that a lady McMillan dressed in a white laced broded, uh, brocaded gown stayed in the room uh, on December 10th, 1913, uh, the grand opening uh, uh, date. And something about that one is 
isn't there some there's a a, a return customer who keeps asking for that room yeah for that room because yeah, uh, that room. they end up seeing the, the ghost what? and like they almost hang out with it it's very oh, strange that's creepy. Uh, yeah it's yeah it sort of reminds me of that infamous scene from ghostbusters if you know which scene i'm talking about which Ooh. scene's that in the first ghostbusters yes where uh dan Aykroyd's on the bed yeah. and the lady ghost uh, shows up yeah. and does oh, something right. to him All right yes, I, yes, yes. so look i saw that movie as a kid when it came out in the 80s and I didn't understand why he was like having his eyes crossing and had a big smile on his face. I, I did not understand it as a six-year-old. Oh. The funny thing, though, is that I've had that conversation uh, with other people about intimate acts and ghosts, and it got very heated. It was very interesting, and I don't think that it's like uh, this. The theme of like this podcast in particular, so I'm not going to get into it. But suffice it to say, like that does get talked about a surprising amount out in the world. To take things back, like uh, so, us normies would have these encounters. But did you know that politicians are people too who have uh, strange encounters? So, uh, uh, Brenda Chamberlain, who's a liberal MP from Ontario, uh, visited the hotel in 2000, and uh, she was on the second floor and claimed to have seen something. Um, she was there for a party caucus, so all of like the MPs <laughs> of the region had met up and sort of like to discuss policy mm-hmm. and things like that. And she was in the hotel. And I'm going to quote from the CBC article from 2000. So, Miss Chamberlain said she was sleeping soundly Tuesday night when she was startled awake by the feeling that someone had lain down next to her in the bed. Mm-hmm. She leapt up and investigated, but saw nothing. 45 minutes later, wide awake in bed this time, she felt it again. Quote, it was like somebody was settling into position next to me, like my husband, only later. I actually felt the bed move, end quote. Again, she leapt up and again found nothing. This time, she shrugged it off and took a Tylenol PM and went to bed. And apparently only in discussing this um, with fellow MPs did she realize um, the significance of the hotel and its uh, longstanding haunting claims. Wow. Well, the the other thing about the story is that in the little two-page booklet that you get when you stay at the hotel about the hauntings there, um, there's a scenario that similarly happened to uh, Ida Alba, who uh, is the current owner of the hotel. They were living at in the hotel at the time, and she had had an argument with her husband, and he had left, whatever, and she was lying in bed, and then he felt her. she felt her husband sit on the bed. But when she turned to talk to him, nobody was there. And once she read this, it really freaked her out because it was essentially almost the same thing that happened to her. Freaky. Super creepy. Uh, I mean, I'm happy to say that's never happened like a re- to me, but I mean, repeated pattern. terrifying. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, I don't know if I've had any visits in the night, apart from like the cat who lives with me who loves to wake me up. <laughs> but like that's a known creature. That's not something that I, like, I wasn't expecting. Yeah, and if, even well, if it was a ghost cat, you probably wouldn't be, it wouldn't be too bad. <laughs> ghost cat. I'd be down with that if, like, a ghost cat's, like, meowing at me, wants attention, like, wants to know what's up. Like, I will talk to it, definitely. Yeah. Cats sometimes. Whereas, like, a woman in a ball gown, I don't know how to react to, right? Like, I always try to put myself in the position of of people in these stories. I'm like, I don't know how I deal with, like, running into a cryptid, uh, you know, like, running into, like, a weird ghost or, like, hearing the sound of laughter in the night. I always say, like, whenever I'm in a situation where I'm scared, I usually try to work through it with humor. Uh, So I always say, like, whenever I'm really freaked out to Amber, I'm like... You know, if any any of these situations like this, like if I was going to see a ghost or have a run in with whatever, I would just want to be with like Leslie Nielsen or somebody like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> Who is Canadian? Yeah, there Congrats. <laughs> but, I mean, just like well something done. like there that or Canadian. like the three guys from Workaholics or something. For sure. Just, yeah. For sure. Yeah, you'd want Blake Anderson to like give you a yeah. hug with his Yeah, pass through that tension. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> 
I think the closest I've ever come to having to deal with it is that there's like a, an abandoned like children's asylum um, outside the city that we visited. Angela, have you been to Doria? No, but we actually was this our first episode? We talked about that in our it first. It might have been, yeah, yeah our first about episode. EVPs. Yeah. So, uh, friends and I had set up a tape recorder in um, one of the rooms just to see if we catch anything. And uh, the weird thing is, like, the someone or something clicked the stop button, like, maybe 10 minutes into the tape as we had wandered off. And the thing is, like, we had put in fresh batteries and, like, a fresh tape. So it wasn't, like, the batteries had died or anything, but, like, something or someone had consciously decided to, like, make this stop, which was really weird because I'd used the recorder and other things and never encountered a Where problem like that. And the only thing we heard was, like, scratching on the tapes. That's about <coughs> it. Yeah, not, not creepy at all. No. Did you no, ever go back least. after that other than to just get the recorder? Uh, no, the thing, the big thing I think is it, it became like really popular locally. Ah. So like you'd always run into other like jerk teenagers yep. kind of messing around and like getting high and drinking and like smashing things because, um, <laughs> the property is kind of like expansive. And so for example, in one of the houses, there was a dentist chair and some kids had like ripped it out of the ground, like had thrown it down the hmm. stairs at one point. And so like the, like the entire place had sort of, uh, gone to hell, uh, not literally. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> So unfortunately, like it can't, it kind of became like this weird thing, like uh, like to visit because like it was so well populated by like kids who just wanted to like right. do bad things. Right. Well, that's a shame. I'm sure if you spent the night there, you'd uh, capture something on tape. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I definitely, I think I'd have a story or two uh, to talk about. But the thing to remember too is like they're kind of neighbors, not nearby, but like within sight. And uh, they will often call the cops if they see kids now, according to, like, friends whose parents still live in the area. So they become, like, much less tolerant of, like, uh, any sort of, like, tomfoolery. Mm, tomfoolery. That's, That's the good. word of the day. Tomfoolery. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, the Fort Gary Hotel. So, yeah, it's such a strange place. And the fact that it's, like, a Canada heritage site. It seems like we, as Canadians, both, like, um, as a people, as well as, like, a government, like to recognize a lot of this strangeness. Like, we talked about the Canadian Mint. We talked about the, like, Canada Post. We talked about this being a historical site. Like, there's a lot of that Definitely. going on. Oh, yeah. There's even, like, there was an official, um, uh, some sort of station set up by the Canadian government in the 60s or maybe the 50s. I think it was 54, actually. And it was literally just to document and study um, the presence of UFOs. And they were, they were using, I think it was like, they had five different criteria. One was like changes in the magnetic field. One was changes in the electronic sort of, I don't even know. And they had, (laughs) they had like all sorts of other, they had three other criteria, but for me, especially doing Coral Castle, I was like, magnets, what? They're magnetic field. UFOs, man, they're messing with the magnets. Anyways, sorry. (laughs) When you guys, yeah, when you guys talked about magnets, I couldn't help but think of uh, Insane Clown Posse. (laughs) Well, you got it. Absolutely. Magnets. How do they How work? Do they work? <laughs> <laughs> it's a big question here. On it's a, it's a question we often ask on Double Density. It's like, how does science work? We don't. We right? really don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Neither of us are men of science. <laughs> We're in the same boat. Yeah. Oh man. Oh man. So, did you guys have anything else to to add on there for Manitoba? Or are we are we re- re- no. Mm. It's just, it, I, I put in the notes, friggin' UFOs everywhere, friggin which I mentioned already, so I'm, I'm kind of covered on that one. All the time. Yeah, I've never been to Manitoba. Um, it's always a joke, and I'd be like, oh, yeah, we're going on a vacation. Like, let's go to Winnipeg or something. But yeah. I, I think we actually should. I think we should go on a vacation to Winnipeg. Sure. You know exactly where to exactly. stay. Right? Yeah. I, uh, I've, uh, I'm going to Boston in, uh, at the end, well, midsummer, and uh, I sent a link to 
uh, my wife and our friends that are going with us to a list of haunted hotels we can stay Ooh. at. Oh, perfect. Sweet. That'll be great. The kids will love that because we're going to have four kids with us. Right? Oh, that's so, great. Yeah. Oh, you'll get so much great content. You know what, guys? <laughs> yes, exactly. I might try meet you in Manitoba because looking at a Canadian map, I've realized I've done BC, Alberta, Saskatchewan, and then Ontario. So I have my big oh, gap no. right there in the middle of Manitoba. So if we can figure out like a six or seven week trip to Let's Winnipeg. Okay. I'm in. We got we got to plan this out. We got to put it on the calendar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Cool. Well, I guess as we're coming down to the end of uh, of this part one of a two part uh, sort of series between the two shows here, I yeah. I think it would be cool for you guys to just yeah let everybody know where they can reach uh, reach your show and reach you guys and any details uh, for on Double Density that you want uh, to let the listeners know. Sure. So you can go ahead. Uh, so we're on Twitter at double underscore density, facebook.com slash double density podcast. The same thing on Instagram. You can also visit us at double density.net where we post all of our newest episodes, such as part two of this two parter. Uh, you can also go ahead and click on our blog and uh, click on our uh, host tab to figure out and find out who we are, as well as if you want to contact us. And there's also a handy dandy contact button, which uh, sends us an email. If you have any comments, questions, you want to ask uh, Angelo how Apple things work, he will tell you whether or not you want to know, uh, he will wrap things <laughs> off, which is like both a uh, plus and a minus sometimes. Yeah, and if you're wondering when uh, part two of this comes out, it'll be out on May 2nd. So if you're, uh, this show, this one's going to come out this Sunday night? Yeah, this coming Sunday. Sunday afternoon, maybe. Yeah, so, <laughs> so the, 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 yeah, so this, uh, the, the month that comes out the Wednesday, uh, we, we usually put them out overnight. We schedule them for overnight. And uh, so awesome. this will be episode 53, May 2nd. You'll see it in the show notes Woo-hoo. where, uh, that Amber and Andrew are on the episode <laughs> and I hashtag calendar math. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's going to be a great episode. I, I can predict that w- the recording is going to go perfectly. <laughs> Good for you, man. I'm glad that you have the power to see into the future. I'm like, I'm glad to align myself with you uh, in this way. Crystal ball, man. Right? The magic ball. All right, Amber, where can people find us? All right. Well, um, before we get into that, I did want to give a special thanks this week um, to Susanick. Uh, we just want to say thank you for that awesome review on iTunes. Yes. Thank you so much. Um, I got to say my new favorite word is edutainment. So thank you for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Always appreciate it. love to edutain. Yes. Yes. Anyways, hashtag edutain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anyways. Um, as always, you can always reach us at, at into the mortal, into the mortal, <laughs> into the portal mailbox at gmail.com. <laughs> Um, on Instagram, we are Into the Portal Podcast. Twitter is just Into the Portal 1 and Amber Ray 1992. And then, of course, visit IntoThePortal.com for all the info on this episode, including awesome resources and everything, yeah, that we've discussed. As well, we have this amazing new, um, newsletter. Yeah. A new newsletter. <laughs> Woo! New newsletter. Yeah. So we're just basically going to be, um, doing highlights from the show, uh, behind the scenes with your hosts, uh, upcoming collaborations and projects, cryptids of the week, and so much more. So, yeah. You'll be the first to get the blog too. If you, oh, yeah, if you sign up right. for the newsletter that Amber works so hard on every <laughs> week and they really the just give more details on all the episodes that we do so they're super fun yeah and uh yeah that's all at into the portal.com yeah so thank you so much for listening everybody and uh yeah we look forward to uh our show next, next week. week which will be another canadian theme but before that make sure you tune in to double density on wednesday absolutely mm-hmm. all right guys till next time on into the portal see ya see ya see you guys <laughs>